Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 226. It's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. And and Mike and I were just talking a minute ago about how sometimes we wonder if we're repeating stuff, right? Because, I mean, there's a lot to know about reselling, but there's a lot of the same themes, same ideas, same ways to make things happen. But thought I'd bring back an episode kind of like what we did before, but different with new insights called My eBay Store is Dead. Oh, no. Can we revive <laughs> Is that it? a good title? Yeah, it's pretty good. Is 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 your eBay store dead? It's not dead. Oh. So I wanted to talk so about you're lying. This was just no, no, clickbait? no, no. But no, it's yeah, it is clickbait. Yes, clickbait. Yes, and, and the reason being is because I want to help a lot of people that I can. And again, everybody has their own way of doing things. This is not the ultimate authority. This is what I went through, and I can say through experience, it worked. And so sometimes you know you can go into certain websites and you actually you could go on the eBay seller community pages, which are, you know, eBay's website, and you can go down a rabbit hole of darkness and find about how much eBay is terrible and eBay's throttling everybody and eBay stores are dead and they're not making sales because of eBay. When the reality is, it's probably because of them. Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's probably a, a good mix, right? Okay. So you're gonna have people who you're in the middle of the road. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying not to be snaky by doing that, but but there are going to be probably eighty percent of the time. I don't know. I'm throwing random numbers out there. Don't take my numbers to mean anything. Then full data analysis. Um, so probably eighty percent of the time, it is it's going to be mistakes that we make. But there are legitimate times when when somebody is experiencing problems. Like I think right now is a good example of a lot of people are noticing slowdowns with eBay. And again, some of the theories are: is it because we're being punished for the item specifics, the recommendations, and um, or is it maybe not necessarily that they're like intentionally punishing you, but their algorithm is trying to boost that, and so the side effect of that is you're getting punished. You know. Maybe if, if you don't have those done. So there are going to be times where certain changes are going to impact you. But um, we always say on Pure Hustle Podcast, uh, control the things you can control and you can't do anything about the rest, right? As long, as long as you are controlling the areas in your life, the areas in your business that you can control, then yeah, there's going to be times when when you lose because of something that was quote unquote unfair. But that's going to be sometimes, right? Most of the time, there are things that are in your control that you can do something about. And so that's what we want to talk about today is what do you do when your eBay store is dead? Yeah. And so my eBay store, after going all in on Amazon for three months, was dead. And and again, it's strange that it was dead because I have over 2,000 items and I literally was having days where I only sold one. <laughs> like one out of the 2,000 plus one item. And that's not good. That wasn't great. So I had to change things. I had to adapt. And I shared this in previous podcasts. And so one of the first things I wanted to talk about is you probably need to audit yourself. Like Ooh, I like that. That's a good phrase. We should put that on a t-shirt. Audit yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you, t-shirt club. All right. <laughs> and so when I said audit, so I broke that down into three areas and then we got some other stuff to talk about. But the idea is auditing, you know, what are your practices? What's your inventory and what are your policies? All right, so your practices is is just shipping speed, just basic things. Like, are you are you different than the competition? Right? Is your handling so one day? Are you have you changed it up? Yeah, one day. Okay, one day. Right. And so when you first get started, and it's strange because eBay sets you up with three day handling. I know this because with my son, we started his eBay store, 
And I noticed it said three day handling. And I'm like, wow, three days. Yeah. Even going to one day was a little bit scary for us at first, right? Because it's the pressure of, wait, I, I have to get this out like right away. And, and, and with three day, maybe I get 90% of the items out same or next day anyways, but at least I've got that buffer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if you're competing with somebody and your prices are comparable and your pictures are comparable, people are going to go with the fastest shipping. Yeah. And so this doesn't mean that you have to go same day. Like I do same day. And I have a cutoff point. My cutoff time is 1 p.m. If people put in orders by 1 p.m., I'll send it out the same day because I got, I have about three and a half hours to pack stuff and drop it off at the post office or FedEx or UPS or whatever it is. But at the same time, you know, you have to work in the model that you have, right? So if, you know, you're like Mike and you're working full time, maybe you need to do it two days, maybe one day, but it has to be something that you're consistent and you're quick about it because I'm telling you, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but <laughs> the algorithm matters. It does track when you pack things, when you scan the label at the post office, and when it's finally going. Because I've always noticed, and I've said this on on Saturdays, when I drop stuff off at about 4 p.m., because the pickup's at 4 p.m., so about 3.58, within 20, 30 minutes, I'll get a cha-ching, whether it's you know an offer, whether it's you know somebody accepting a send offer from earlier, Somehow things get triggered, and I've experimented, and it's not a hundred percent. Yeah, I was gonna say to me that sounds like uh, astrology. Sounds, yeah, it sounds a little bit like a like you know you've got tinfoil hat on because nice. Okay, it's true, it's possible, and I I do think I do think that that if your store has, I think it's more the norm than the exception. Well, I think that if you your store has better metrics overall, right, shipping speed, yeah. all those things, it's gonna help you to an extent. But I don't know how much it's so it's it's that moment specific as it is like aggregate. So if you uh, consistently have good shipping you. time, yeah. you're probably better off in the algorithm. Whereas like, oh, USPS scans something. I don't think eBay is like, all right, now quickly, let's get his stuff up to the top. Because it might just be that Fridays or Saturdays, whatever day you said at a certain time frame, that's the time people are buying, right? So whether or not you brought something to the, the, the USPS store that day, that might've been about the time when people would be buying. All, all the Saturday shippers comment below. Do you find that to be true? But if you're shipping every Saturday, then it's going to. No, no. But do you find it to be true? Like the days that you don't ship on Saturdays, let's say you're not shipping anything in Saturdays. Cause there's some days like I'm busy and I won't ship. And then I won't have any more sales for the rest of the Saturday. So I'm, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent foolproof. I'm saying it's, it's it 60, 40, 60, 40. Yeah. And, and it's a, it, the problem is it's a small sample size and we can go off. Yeah, of it's anecdotal. just Orlando's anecdotal evidence. Yeah. yeah. We can go off of anecdotal evidence for, for what it's worth. And I think it is valuable if, if, if it, if it's working and it makes you feel better. Uh, but the hard part is you, you can't always say like, this is the direct uh, causation or correlation here. Um, oh, I agree with you, but I think it's always better to ship out on Saturdays over the weekend than wait till Monday. Yeah. And, and I'll agree with that. I do think that having, having, consistently and, and i guess the point i'm trying to make is because we don't know because some people might say the exact opposite and have the opposite experience where you know it doesn't matter whether i i ship or or my my stuff actually goes down who knows right so well, the best way to look at it is what is what is your your store over time like if you are consistently getting items out on time or you're consistently getting them out early you're probably going to be doing better in ebay's algorithm and so i wouldn't worry about like a one day thing is are you now down back at the bottom? Now you're an F-rated store as far as eBay is concerned. Like you're going to have hit or miss days. And I think oh, what they're looking at is probably what's your sell-through rate as a store? But I think, I think, and again, this is all hypothetical, but I do believe there's something to be said that 
eBay is not going to allow you to sell more than you can handle. And what I, what I mean by that is I've noticed when I've had a ton of sales, as long as I get all those sales cranked out and shipped out in a decent amount of time, they just keep coming. But the moment that like one isn't out the door in time or two isn't out the door in time, things automatically begin to slow down. So and I'm not I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that senses that. But I, I do believe that, you know, it's the same with listing. Like if, if you keep listing and we'll talk about this in a moment and you keep selling and you're able to constantly get those packages out in good time, I do think the algorithm rewards you. And again, somebody's going to say, I know in the comments that, well, if you just source the right items, you're going to sell. Okay. Yes, there's truth to that. But there's also truth to the fact that all this is interconnected, right? The idea that, like you said, the overall metrics matters. And that's the next point I want to talk about is make sure you don't have any customer issues they haven't resolved. And what I mean by this is by this, sometimes you may be out of stock on an item. And if you have an item, like let's say you had to cancel an order because you didn't have the item in stock, that will cause your store to maybe die for a moment. Okay, I, I, I've had several people DM me. I've had the scenario too where I've been out of stock. And the moment I hit that out of stock <laughs> and, and and it's my, basically, it's you know, not basically, it is my fault. Slail, slails, sales slow down to a halt. And so make sure that you resolve every single customer issue. Also had others uh, DM us talk about that they had uh, somebody was opening a case about a return, something they weren't happy about. They they forgot to get back to them. The case closed against them. And man, that ding on that metric will kill your store. So make sure that if you have any unresolved issues, make sure you take care of them and make sure your language is, is you know, careful too. I'm not sure how much the algorithm or whatever the program is reads. I know that the program can read if you try to contact people outside of eBay before the transaction is done, because it'll, I know people have been suspended uh, for that, unless there's manual people. I don't, I don't see eBay hiring people to look at people's messages, but there's certain keywords. And so be careful about that. And then the other thing is, you know, look at your listings. Like, are your, are your, have you gotten complacent with your listings? Are you, have you, have you just been, you know, listening so fast that you don't have quality pictures in there? Uh, maybe you're one of the things I want to say is maybe your prices are too high. Maybe the market's changed. Have you seen some items that you used to source that used to go for good money and now it's not even worth picking up? Yeah, there, there definitely is. And, and I mean, trends change for sure. Um, but, you know, specifically going back to what you were saying earlier with like the the look of your listing, uh, that, that was a hard part is when I first started, I mean, I was literally taking pictures of certain things on my couch, right? And maybe I put like a, a, a sheet over so it was like a somewhat solid background, but it definitely wasn't a... But at least you were listing. Yeah, I was listing. It wasn't an infinite white background, which is kind of what you want. Um, and so there was definitely... I have several listings where it's like, man, I really should pull this item back out and take pictures and kind of redo it. Maybe I do use different keywords. And so I have gone back through and kind of updated some keywords. But yeah, you have to kind of weigh the, is it worth redoing this? But wherever you're at right now, any new things you're listing should be the best you've ever listed as far as the descriptions, as far as the picture quality, all of those things. If you're always getting better, you should never have a period where your listings are worse. And the problem is a lot of times they get worse because like Orlando said, you get complacent. Uh, you're trying to go quickly. And when you're looking at like a razor edge is like sometimes all it takes 
is that little bit of an edge over your your competition, especially if you're competing at a, a very similar price range. You're competing and you both have free shipping and you both have free returns. Sometimes it's the extra details. Are your pictures closer? Are they from up or are they like as if you're looking at it, you know, head on? We, we had a whole episode about pictures. That's one thing that we had that, a whole episode about that. Yeah, I think so. That's like, impressive. Pictures of, of items, or at least it was a, a good, a good segment of segment, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yeah, one of the things that you want to make sure you're doing is, is you're getting eye level with the items that you're taking pictures of. I can't tell you how many times I've seen pictures where it's a sweater from really far away and it's kind of like at an up angle or an, an item where maybe it's a shoe and it's just the up angle. But if you can get that eye level as if you're looking directly at it, I mean, look at advertisements, spend a couple of minutes going and looking at the magazines and advertisements. What do the, what does Amazon do? And, and try and copy that as much as you can because they have spent millions of dollars in research about what lighting angles, how close the picture should be uh, to determine what is going to increase sales. So your 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 stuff should constantly be getting better. Your listing should look better and you should look back at stuff you were listing a year ago and say, man, I should redo those, but got to keep moving forward. You shouldn't be doing stuff now that's worse. Yeah, unless you have no choice, but you know. But you do have white background removal now. So it yeah, <laughs> helps a lot. All right. Hey, and also this one is the one that you hear all the time is, have you been consistent in listing? So one of the reasons my eBay store was dead, I just was not listing. I listed maybe three to four items a week during Q4. And things, sales were still coming through because no matter what, the, the wave of Q4 hits. But eventually that all dies down. And so, like I said, I had those days where things were dead. And then what I ended up doing was consisting, consistently listing 20 to 25 items a day. And it took a little bit. It's not immediate. But I would say about a week later, I was getting to my consistent sales that I was used to before Q4 and things were good. Can I tell you, this is my least favorite part of eBay? Listing? N- not just listing, but yeah. the fact that, that that's what they encourage. So... If if you're a long tail slow dime store mm-hmm. and you're like kind of limited in how many items you can store or source at a, at a time, uh, this is kind of the bummer because like I like my store around five to seven hundred. I mean, I could get it higher. I can get it over a thousand if I really wanted to. But man, storage is going to be a huge issue for me. And so you might list ten items a day in order to be triggering the algorithms to be getting sales, but you're not going to be selling ten items a day because you're listing ten. Right. Like you might get an extra sale or two extra. So the question almost is, is like, what's the exit plan? Like it, you want to scale your business, but sometimes you scale your business to a point and then you want to just improve the type of inventory you have. But I almost feel like eBay forces you to say like, oh, now you got to get a little bigger. Now you got to get a little bigger. So I guess the alternative here would be um, maybe your prices are too high. And even though you're slow dime, you might have to say, I need to move inventory faster so that I can list and that my listings and my sales are are a little bit more comparable. Well, yeah. And that takes us to the next point, the idea of inventory. And you're right. I mean, there's two models. There's there's some people we've had, Cindy, from the Amazing Taste Store on our podcast, and she is team no death pile. And she actually, I think she sells more than she sources in a month. Like she sells through everything. Yeah, I mean, eventually you'd run out of inventory if you're doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, I've also heard of another guy that does auctions and every seven days he tries to sell everything. And if it doesn't sell, he drops it by 25% and he does that every seven days. And then he just keeps getting inventory and he keeps having sales. So there's different ways to do it. I will say, yes, eBay, the, the catch with eBay, but I think it's with every platform. I don't think there's a platform that's perfect. 
every platform wants activity on their platform. Even Amazon. Amazon wants you wants you shipping in items to FBA if you're doing FBA. Amazon wants you selling things on Merchant Fulfilled or you're not going to get the buy box. And so all these platforms want action. Now, I will say, and we'll talk about this in another episode, but I, you know, the, the catch with eBay with, with the listing and the consistency is uh, the fact that if you have a smaller store, it's harder to sell. And we'll talk about that a little bit. I, I do believe unless you have hot items, if you're just thrifting and you only have a certain amount of items, it's going to be harder to get sales unless you're selling things at like rock bottom and things are flying out your store, like you said. So check your inventory too, though. I, you know, I, for example, I've talked about, you know, I, I love rain spooner Hawaiian shirts, but they're not selling like they used to. I mean, they, they used to sell, I used to be able to sell two to three a week, usually $50 a pop. And now I might sell one to two a month. Right. So inventory has changed, right? We all, those of you who have been reselling for a while, uh, you remember Ed Hardy stuff back in the day, we used to pick up that stuff and sell it all the time. Remember Ed Hardy? Yep. They, they were hot. It's like on every lighter. Yeah. yeah like you get the Ed Hardy lighters. I mean, there was a time it was good. I mean, we talk about old school Tommy Bahama. Tommy Bahama was good. I think maybe five years ago now, I'm losing track of time. And now, I mean, all the thrift stores think they're still hot sellers because he's still selling for like 20 bucks. But unless you have something really special and unique, you're not going to be able to sell it. So take a look at your inventory. Maybe it's time to pivot. Right? Because... Maybe your store is dead because you have stuff that one time was hot and just people aren't wanting it anymore. And it's really tough to hear because if if you're like me, I'm a person that's willing to have things listed for five years plus if needed, just because the cost is so low. And if I sell it, I'm still going to be in profit. But take a look at your inventory and then take a look at your prices that coincide with it. Right. Uh, for example, Harley Davidson t-shirts, there was a time where pretty much any Harley Davidson t-shirt that I could pick up from the 90s or 2000s, I could sell for at least 50 bucks. And then in the last two, three years, the market got saturated. And now I still sell them for about 30 to $50. But more often, my Harley shirts sell about 25 to $35 a piece, or before it used to be 35 to 50. And there were some I could sell up to $80. So Check your prices. Maybe you haven't checked your prices in a long time and you thought at the time that you sourced it, this is how much I'm going to get for it. But maybe the time that you sourced it was a while back. Yeah. Do you, have you had to change any prices? Yeah, we, we've definitely gone through and changed quite a few. And um, kind of one of the best ways of doing this is instead of trying to think like, well, what about this trend? Is this trend over? Mm -hmm. Let me check that. Yeah. The better thing to do is to just look at how long you've had li items listed. When was the listing date? Like initially, was it back in 2017? Um, and item still hasn't sold. Maybe these are the items that you need to lower the price on, right? So just start there. So start what what you've had the longest, and then just do the research on those things um, instead of trying to figure out like what about this type of shoe, and then look through all your listings. Well, if they're selling or they're only you only have them for a few months, maybe don't worry about it. But if you've got items that are a year, two, three years and haven't sold. Those are the items you should probably start with first. And I mean, I, I like that idea of trying to clearance out some of those things because you could end up stuck holding on to something that continues to lose value. Oh, yeah. Your cash flow slows down. Yeah. And, and so not only does your cash flow slow down, so you don't have that money to buy new inventory, but like you said, so Tommy Bahama or, you know, Ed Hardy or whatever it is, you might have bought it at a certain point and 
it was worth $50 for this shirt and now it's worth 30 and now it's worth 20 and another 10 years from now, it might be worth two or $3 a shirt. Nobody wants it. And so you actually could have made more money selling today than, than just continuing to hold on. So we often think of the slow dime as I'm just waiting for the big bucks later, but you might actually be losing money every month, every year that you're not selling it because that item might go down. Now, of course, kind of like the stock market, you never know. I'm just timing. getting flashbacks of the yeah. stock market when you, you're saying that. You never know. The timing though is maybe a new movie comes out or something happens. That person, somebody dies who's into a company or whatever it is. And all of a sudden it shoots back up and it's like, man, I sold all those dirt cheap and now they're worth a ton of money. Um, you'll never know those things. So you got to do the best you can. Uh, but, but yeah, so maybe sometimes selling now because it could lose value over time. Yeah. Agreed. And then the other thing is maybe it's time to learn another niche, right? Maybe the time has come where like you've been so consistent about sourcing one type of item, but maybe that item is, isn't it. Or maybe, you know, you're so, I don't saying you have to have a garage sale type store. I, I find that the people that sell a lot, a lot of volume, have maybe one or two niches or maybe even one. They specialize in one area and they sell and they make a lot of money. I have a variety, but I, I pretty much stick to the same kind of vintage gear all the time that sells for me consistently. Right. And so, and I have repeat buyers and, and that's changed, but I've also pivoted, you know, as far as like, there's moments where I've pivoted to more electronics because the prices dipped on electronics and they were easier to sell. And then when I was sick of that and, you know, the market died, I kind of moved and I, I went to something else. So just try to learn something new. Maybe that will help. Maybe having different fresh inventory. The other thing I want to say is, in my experience, having an eBay store that has lower price items and higher price items works well with the algorithm in the sense that the low price items will sell and that'll trigger more sales. And then your higher price items end up selling. So for example, I shared on Instagram last week, I picked up a it was a Bose like speaker holder. It was six bucks. I knew it was going to sell within a day or two. So I'll pick that up because I know it's going to sell and it's going to be easy to ship. And I also know it's going to trigger merch sales. And sure enough, it was one of my first sales. Other sales came after. Not saying it's 100%, but it's always good to have a mix because if all you have is high end, unless you have specific buyers or people that know your store is known for that, it's going to be hard to constantly sell those things. Or maybe I'm wrong. Let me know if I'm wrong in the comments. I'm willing, I'm willing to be wrong. So, all right. And then your policies. Okay. Now this is where people get kind of, kind of upset a little bit. So, you know, shipping and handling, do you offer free shipping? Do you do free shipping, Mike? It's, I think you ask this question almost every episode. Do I? It's I uh, just wonder some items. At. Yes. Some items. No. Okay. All right. So free shipping. I know that it's not the same. eBay used to really push free shipping like crazy and they kind of stopped. And I, and I get why, because things still sell, even if people have to pay for shipping. But here's the thing. If you go to Terapeak, all right, on Terapeak, you can find this out. Let's say you're trying to find out, you know, how much a pair of van shoes is selling for. And then you see that same pair of van shoes and you notice that every single one of them that sold had free shipping. And then yours is the only one that doesn't have free shipping chances are it's going to take a little bit longer to sell. And, you know, I can't say it's the algorithm, but that's the way it is. Or if you have a bulky item, sometimes I'll pick up a bulky item that's, you know, $200 and everybody else is free shipping and I charge shipping. Chances are mine's going to take longer because people love free shipping. So you got to take a now, look. Is the total price the same though? Yes. 
Okay, because I would imagine if the total price is the same, then you might as well make it free shipping. Because if you're selling something for two hundred and charging fifty dollars shipping, and everybody else is charging two hundred and fifty with free shipping, well, what I see sometimes when I look at these listings, I see, you know, something is two hundred dollars free shipping, two hundred dollars with shipping. And well, why? Then, w- yeah, of course you're going to go with the one free shipping. I know, but, but that means that the, the whoever selling it is actually selling it for cheaper. So instead of selling, Correct. so so really, even though it's the shipping aspect to an extent the real difference is the price that's what a customer is looking at like mm-hmm. you're looking at the total price and so you could probably get but studies away show that you can sell a little bit more or something for a little bit more as long as it's free shipping i mean i think ebay actually has metrics i looked at something that we talked about it a while back but free shipping does something it costs. I, even myself i hate it when i'm trying to find something on ebay and I find a good price and then they're shipping. And I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to buy that. I, I like the feeling of free shipping where I didn't pay for the shipping, especially when you're a reseller and you know what it costs to ship and they're charging you more than it actually costs to ship. Then it's like, I don't want to spend that money. So, and the other thing is if your eBay store is dead, I think return policy plays a huge part. We say this a lot. Agree or disagree? Yeah. Yeah, are you still on team return policy? Yeah. Not not free returns, right? You're not free returns yet. Yeah, so we do 30-day return uh, for one. I think it helps with customer trust, right? Customers are going to be more likely to buy something. And then two, it allows the seller protections. So you do not need to offer free returns in order to get the seller protections on, on items. Uh, eBay provides- Well, you do have to be a top-rated seller. Yep, so but- you have to be a top-rated seller with with- 30 day returns. It doesn't have to be free returns. So we did that to, to, to get those seller protections. We feel like they're important and we do feel like our sales went up with that. And we do have the occasional return, but even when we didn't offer returns, we still did returns. We found because usually when we do a return, I would say, well, I I shouldn't say usually sometimes when we do a return, it's because a customer issue. Sometimes when we do a return, it's our issue, right? Like this, this didn't fit. This were a, a woman's size nine, not a min size nine. It's like, oh, we accidentally clicked the wrong box or something, right? That that occasionally happens. So even if we didn't have free returns or 30-day returns, we still would return that, right? Or refund them. So you might as well have the option. And yeah, there's there's a few where customers are going to return things. But the nice thing is by having, at least in my experience, by having it where the customer pays the return is they're less likely to do the return unless there's a serious issue. Mm-hmm. Right? If there's a serious issue, they'll do the return. Um, and if it's a serious enough issue, we sold them something in the electronics and it, it was working for us and now it doesn't work or it starts smoking or something like that, then we're probably going to cover the shipping too. But by just not offering free returns, we I feel like we get fewer just, oh, I tried the shirt on, you know, I didn't like the way that this this color matched my skin. I'm sending it back. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, I do free returns on any, and everything and it's not it hasn't hurt me. My My return level isn't high. Uh, I will say the moment I started doing free returns, I started getting more sales than I had before when I was charging for returns. But you got to find what works for you, because if you're selling a lot of items that are hefty, for example, that heater I talked about a few weeks ago that cost about $100 to ship. And then the person was like, this isn't working. Free returns is going to cost me another $100. So it's better off for me to just refund them and say, you know what, you can keep it. No, not a big deal. All right. Let's talk about also missed opportunities. So. This is the one that if you're a new seller, this is the hard one. The the idea and the idea that you need to take every sale that comes at you unless 
it's super low. But even I'm I'm a big believer. If it's even at sixty percent, take the offer, because eBay very much cares about sell through. Not saying that you have to all the time, but remember, if you're if you're thrifting something, and you paid five dollars, and you have it listed for a hundred, and somebody offers you sixty to seventy dollars, take it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I go back and forth on this because I, I do feel like there's value to, again, I think sell-through rate, the aggregate sell-through rate, the total sell-through rate, I think is what matters the most, as opposed to just, I took one offer today, so I'm going to get more sales today, which I think there there may be some validity to that. I know a lot of people feel that way. Um, but I the, die on that mountain. But it's the, true. But the problem I see is if that's the issue, if that's the case, and you're willing to take that price for those items anyways then you should list them for that price to start with because you're probably going to sell it quicker. The only reason I don't is because more often than not, I sell at the price I put it at. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So, you know, every once in a while, I share this all the time on Instagram, somebody gets a deal. Like I have something listed for 100 and somebody offers me 60. I'm like, slow day, I'll take it. Right? What I find is usually when you counter offer, you never hear from the person again. It's very rare. Now, if a person, you know, you counter offer and then they counter offer back, chances are they really want that item and then you can start the haggle process. But most of the time, I would take every single offer as long as, to me, as long as it's 60%. And especially if your store is dead. We're talking about if your eBay store is dead. If your store is running and things are going well and you're getting the sales you want, you have a little bit of leeway. But if it's been, you know, two days and you're used to having 10 or 15 sales a day and you've only had one or two, you better take offers because it, it's, it's going to help you expedite and bring more sales to the table. Again, not 100% foolproof, but I'm sure in the comments, if you want to share, you find that when you accept those offers, it just triggers others. So I'm willing to take a $40 loss on a $100 item if it means I'm going to have three other sales that are going to bring me another 50, 60 bucks net profit on each item. So don't miss those opportunities because you're like, hey, I'm holding on to every dollar. Sometimes it's good to get the cash flow and to keep moving. All right, markdown sales. So people ask us about this all the time. eBay, do I need an eBay store? And I used to have a number. I don't have a number anymore. I'm like, have an eBay store from the beginning as long as you have a good amount of items. I just don't know what that number is. Yeah, well, you can't even give a number for how many items because part of it. Well, there's too, a, there's like a math cost thing, but well, well, there is, but the problem is there's more variables than just simply how many items you have listed because sell through rate's important, right? If you if you only have ever fifty items listed, but you're selling through them every week and you're getting fifty, more, you know, you're gonna need a bigger store than if you just have fifty items, and it takes you months to to sell them. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of things that are involved there, but but yeah, you've got to figure out with your store with how you're doing it. Just do the math for the next store up. If you're spending more money uh, on listings than you are, if you would just get the subscription for the store, yeah, then it's a no-brainer. Get the store. Uh, but yeah, so you have a lot of options when you have stores. You get some discounts. You get um, you have the ability to do markdown sales, and it sounds like uh, you you do well with those. You like those? Yeah, I mean, I run, I run a sale all the time. There's never a day that there isn't a sale, and the moment the sale stops. I know that it stops because my sales aren't the same. I've never done one. You need to run it. I guarantee you'll have more sales. Even 15%. Even 15%. I guarantee it. But you do 15% like, off like everything? Like the guy from the men's warehouse. Sure? What's that? Everything. Yeah, everything. 
I mean, I have, I think I have like three items that I'm holding out, but yeah, I, I run it and, and it's interesting. I have done it where a day will pass and I'm like, man, it's so quiet. And then I'll look at my listings and I have no sales going. And so there's something to be said, you know, even if, even if your item, right, is the same price as others, but yours says, you know, 15% off or a certain amount off. I find that it looks better. I mean, when I'm selling, I'm looking for people that are having sales. Now, obviously, I know better about what prices certain items should be at, but it's it it shows people, hey, maybe they're willing to make better better of a deal, right? This is the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, are you using the best offer button? There, there's two sides to this. I know some people hate best offer because they're like, I hate haggling with people, I hate dealing with lowballers. But here's the thing: if eBay says you know, you'll see it all the time. Like, Hey, if you, it's on the listing, if you do a best offer, people are more likely to buy your item. It's true. They're basing this on data, right? And it's the same thing with sales. So if you show that you're having a sale, my belief is that more buyers will look in that and say, Hey, you know what? This individual is willing to make a deal. I'm going to send them one offer. And chances are, you'll be able to have a better conversion. At least that's been my experience, uh, in, you know, increasing sales through the use of best offer and sales. So run a sale. Keep us updated. Yeah. Well, I'll do I it. Mean, if, if you want. Sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. And then send offers. Yeah, especially when people are heavy browsing. Yes. When you got people heavy browsing your items, you better be sending offers. I'm, well, seriously. Okay. So let's explain that because there's a lot of people here that don't know what we're talking about. So eBay send offer. I wish they were doing this years ago. Why did it take so long? We don't need to talk about that. Why does it take so long for people to pay still for items? That's for the next podcast. So anyways, my son had two out of two sales. Yeah. Is he hooked now? Nope. You know why? Hmm. No payment. Oh man. I feel like when you have a new store, a lot of people I know who just start a store, they get hit by, by scammers way more. Yeah. I, I don't know what the deal is, but it's like, Anyways, this is for the next podcast. We'll see. But anyways, going back to what we were talking about, send offer. So according to eBay, and I believe this to be true, whenever an item ends up on your send offer on your app or on the desktop, the reason it's on your send offer is because one, people are watching it or, or two, I almost said B or two, it's in their cart or three, they're doing heavy browsing. Heavy browsing is they're looking at it multiple times. I believe it's within a 15 minute window. So you'll see sometimes where you'll have a send offer and then you'll go to it hours later and then it's gone or you hit it and it says this, this is no longer available. And the reason being is that that person has lost interest. So I'm a big believer, especially if you're full time, as long as you as as long as soon as you see that best offer or that send offer, send that offer because it'll pop right up. And if the person really wants it, they're going to take that. And if you wait too long, you might miss that. Because I used to be a big believer and waiting till the end of the night. And then that didn't work. Then I was like, oh, maybe in the morning, if I send them out in the mornings. And I did get a little bit more success, you know, sending them out at seven in the morning. But uh, the best success I've had is when it pops up and somebody's looking at it and they're like, well, I can get this deal right now. They're going to buy it. Or as soon as they start watching it. And I've noticed the same thing is true for me, even with, uh, for instance, there was something I was going to buy. And I went on their website and I, you know, you sign up for their, their website so you can buy it. If it's not Amazon, that's the worst part is you're like, um, you can either check out as a guest, which, you know, I have to put in all this information, but if I'm going to buy here more than once, I have to create an account. Yeah. Next thing you know, you get an email 
And so I've got some stuff I'm thinking about. I got it in my cart. I'm like, oh, should I buy it or not? Next thing I get an email with like 20% off coupon. I'm like buying it right now. Boom, you know? Agreed. But now I get emails every day from this company and it's like coupon after coupon after coupon. And I never buy anything else because it's like, I I know I'm going to get more coupons. But man, that first coupon, that first, that when I'm interested in that item, it was like, I better strike now. I better buy it because I'm already interested. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens with the customers is they're already thinking about it and you offer it to them on a platter, right? Whereas if I thought about it a week ago and I decided not to buy it or I'm like, Meh, I don't have that like, I need it, I need it, I need it. Yeah, and there is there is one myth out there that you, some people have said they don't like sending offers because they feel like it's going to the same person. That is not true. So eBay's already confirmed that. I, I remember having a discussion about that on one of their... A seller, I forget what it's called, but every once a month they meet with certain sellers and I asked the question and they said, no, no, we have, you know, whatever algorithm set up. So we make sure that the same person isn't being bombarded with the send offer over and over and over again. So, all right. So we got a next section, but before we get there and before we get to our hustle of the week, we need to talk about our sponsor school shaver with their awesome Super Bowl commercial. So, you know, hopefully you guys caught that on there. You can shave your head in 90 seconds. Yeah. And the, the best part is, you know, this is Skull Shaver that you, you've heard of as seen on Pure Hustle Podcast. And on the Super Bowl now. And, and uh, you know, you may have seen it on the Super Bowl, but mostly brought to you by <laughs> Pure Hustle Podcast. Yeah, that is true. And uh, Skull Shaver is awesome. We love it. Um, I, I, I finally charged it for the first time after months of use. And uh, the charge was so fast. I was I wanted to see how long I could go without charging it. And it went all the way down to like where it was running out. And I almost didn't think I was going to finish my head. And I'm like, oh, I better charge this thing. And then I look back and like 10 minutes later and I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's like going up so fast. So uh, some a product that has good battery life. It's very effective. It works. And, you know, I, I love it. It's nice and sturdy. And that's the thing, too, is like craftsmanship's important. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you hold something and you're like, this feels chinzy and cheap when you're holding a skull shaver in your hand it's it's it feels solid it feels power good. Yeah, and you know you know you have a good product right you know this is this is something that they've put time and energy into and i'm proud to own i'm proud to have it on my counter some things you, you put away the skull shaver is like I, I can i can leave this out i see that so go to skullshaver.com use our promo code pure that's p-u-r-e pure in case you were wondering how that's spelled yeah, yeah that's just one p and then you are all right hey i also want to say thank you all of you for the support we get you know every once in a while we get a few people uh signing up for buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle looking for a few more we have a certain number that we'd like to be able to provide pure hustle podcast plus i just i just thought about that today everything's plus got it right so so if we can get enough people on buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle we can begin to introduce Pure Hustle Podcast Plus. Yeah, our underground episodes. (laughs) There you go. So if you haven't signed up yet, just go to buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. You can sign up for less than a dollar an episode uh, to sponsor us for the year or on a monthly basis. So check it out. Link is below. Also, if you want to check us out on social media, we're always dropping uh, whatever we can, knowledge or just documenting what we're going through on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We're Pure Hustle Podcast. On Twitter and Clubhouse, we are Pure Hustle Cast. By the way, Clubhouse, hopefully more of you have been able to get on, been able to have some great conversations on there. Always say hi if you see us on Clubhouse. Uh, let us know you catch the podcast. Always love hearing that. Super encouraging. And 
As always, you can give us a call at 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at prsofpodcast at gmail.com. That's prsofpodcast at gmail.com. And by the way, appreciate all the views on YouTube. Our views are going up and all the comments that you're leaving, which I think is playing an effect with the algorithm. So if you are listening to podcasts and you want to see what our bald mugs look like go to pierce podcast on youtube hit that subscribe and that bell notification and as always thank you for all the itunes reviews i think we're almost at 400 i haven't looked in a while but if you haven't had a chance yet and you've been enjoying the podcast and it's brought you value always would appreciate it if you just went to the itunes uh, page for our podcast and just put in a review or just hit that five stars because it will help us out a lot. I'm trying to get a final tally. Yeah, since we're talking about algorithms. Yes, we are at 390. We are four away from 400. 400. Oh my goodness. Will you make it in the first 400 people to have, have commented and or to have left a review? Right? Like think about how hipster you will be when Pierce Podcast is at 4,000 reviews and you're like, I made it in the first 400. People will know that you are legit. So I want to read one of these because they titled it the 400 Club. Nice. <laughs> so this comes from uh, Stephen.nim. said, I want I wanted to be a hipster that joined the 400 Club Review. I must have already <laughs> talked about that in a previous podcast. Yes, you have. They said, been listening for the past few weeks and I have been hooked. My job requires me to be on my feet for more than 10 hours and the podcast has helped grind those hours. Appreciate that. Glad we're able to help. I have been getting, I have been struggling the past few months of listing items on eBay, but listening to your podcast helped me get motivated and in high spirits, which led me to list about 10 to 15 items a day. Awesome. Just what hey, we're talking yeah, about that's right now. That's awesome. So it said, can't wait for the 500 club. Neither can, neither can we. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much, Steven. Appreciate the review. Just, just awesome. So that's right. All right. Just four away. All right. So let's get to our favorite segment here of the podcast. Come yeah. on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. It's hustle time. <laughs> and we're going to talk about hustles that are going to uh, to change the way Blow you think your mind. about reselling. Because sometimes you need a little bit of like encouragement that this is doable. And our first one comes from Amy. Um, Instagram handle Graham Girls. So I put their other names, Amy, Abby, and Zoe, because I think they share one Instagram account. Nice. Nice. All right. So we've got the, uh, the Graham girls. I like that. So they've been reselling on eBay since the early 2000s and picked up um, a pack of hefty Zoo Pals plates at a garage sale. Do you know uh, what those look like? Do you know what those are? I don't think so. So they're, they're like plastic plates, but they're like zoo animals. All right. Like, so kids eat them. Like the ears is like where you put the carrots okay. and the peanut yeah, yeah, butter. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. I'm right, just trying yeah. to visualize that. Here. Uh, so open packages of 16. So picked up some of those for 99 cents and sold for $50 and sold two sealed packs of Hefty Zoo Pals plates um, picked up at 99 cents and sold for $50. Both sold on eBay. That's pretty awesome. When you can pay, when you can pay, you know, a couple of bucks and turn it into a hundred. That's the type of, I mean, I remember almost every sell that I've had where I paid under $5 and sold it for a hundred or more, right? Like those mm -hmm. will stick with you mm -hmm. just because just because, I mean, I've sold things worth more, but uh, those things are just like, it's such a huge return on your investment. And especially for something like plates. Well, let's not forget that these are, I had these plates with my kids. I remember getting these plates to try to get my kids to eat vegetables or whatever. And, you know, you put the peanut butter on one ear and you put the carrots on the other. I mean, I would never, never have researched these, these items. And that's why I love the hustle of the week. 
because you're always, always learning. All right, next, we have Anthony IG Handle, Anthony Lodlamp. I hope I said that. I'm just going to spell his name out just to make sure uh, because I always hate it when I ruin people's names, which I'm notorious for doing that. So Ludlam. So last name L-U-D-L-A-M. All right. And he also has a YouTube channel, Buy Low, Sell High. That's a perfect name for a resale channel, right? Because that's what you want to do. So Buy Low, Sell High. And you can actually watch this video of his hustle of the week. So check him out on YouTube, Buy Low, Sell High. So he went to a moving sale. And at this moving sale, he picked up three full medium Home Depot boxes of model car dealership promo. So they're these cars, you know, they're basically like the cars of the dealership. And he got over 30 of them for $100. Now, on this video, it's a major haul. Like, they fill up a whole truck of stuff. This is just one part of it. So I would go check it out. So got over 30 of them for $100. And he's been selling each of them for $50 to $60 plus shipping. Yeah, you sell two and you are in the green. You got 28 left. Garage sales. What are those? Oh, gosh. I missed. Did you go with this last time? Oh, there were none. Okay. All right. We'll leave that for the update episode. Yeah, there, there were none. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. All right. So we'll great job, later. Anthony. Check out his YouTube page again. Buy low, sell high. All right. The next one comes from Heather. Uh, I love that name. It's my wife's name. Uh, so great name, Heather. Instagram handle at Cosmic Deal Hunter. Picked up a discontinued Mountain Dew at a grocery outlet for 50 cents. And we've talked about this, right? We've talked in the past about like, you know, discontinued cereals, discontinued... And sometimes they're worth money. So this was the specific one was a uh, Mountain Dew Black Label. It was a 16-ounce can and sold it on eBay for $39.99. And this is the kind of stuff that like collectors, you know, are after certain things. And once they're gone, they're gone. And the only place to get them is on eBay. And you probably this person was not buying it to drink it. They've got a collection, right? And so um, if you're at stores, especially I think grocery outlet and stores like that, if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of like a like the Ross of a grocery store, right? It's like the kind of the, the overspill of stuff of, of, of things. So you never know what you're going to find. It's always different every time you go in and uh, yeah, you might be able to find items that are going to be discontinued or have been discontinued. And, uh, and that might be where the money is. So great job. And I'm surprised you didn't read this one. Cause you were a Mountain Dew. Fanatic. I thought I'd leave it to you. And we got four this time, by the way, I thought I'd throw in one more, but here's, here's the thing. I, so I DM'd Heather because I said, hey, I think if we both went to a thrift store, we'd walk out with completely different items, right? And that's what I love about reselling is that you can go and you can have some people that just pick up completely different items and you pick up and you never know. And I, her page is solid. I mean, the stuff that she has on here, I mean, she just sold like a Bratz doll that she paid 50 cents for and she sold it. Let me see real quick. She sold it for $70. Right. That could be another oh Monster High. It's a Monster High doll. Mm. That could be another hustle week. So yeah, just filled with these stuff. She jokes about Mountain Dew investing, like keeping old cans from the past. And because she has one in October, she did the same thing. So shout out to you, Heather. Thank you for sharing. Uh check out her page. There's some legit stuff. All right. So I, I so I threw in one more because I don't know. I, I just I lost track of how many I was throwing in here. So we'll put this in here. So Nick, uh, long time, uh, not long time. I think maybe long time listener of the show. Uh, IG handle underscore Sir Vintage. That's a sweet name, by the way. All right. So went to the thrift store later in the day and came across a sealed solitaire handheld game for eight dollars. Listed and sold the Radica big screen handheld solitaire game 
and it sold at the highest price of on eBay for $105. Nice. That is crazy. Now, here's the thing. These solitaire games are still money. Now, here's 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 my here's my thing too. You and I maybe he checked, maybe he checked on Amazon, but I was looking at this and I'm like, I wonder if he checked how much the price was on Amazon because I have a story too where I had picked up one for $4 and I sold it. No lie. I sold it. No cap as the kids say on Amazon for 270 bucks back in the day. That is crazy. But I'm looking here. So here's my thought. Either one, Nick, you sold it at that full price because you know, yours was clean and it was one of many or somebody had picked it up. Cause I'm trying to see if they have the exact model here. Or they did some kind of sourcing and then they flipped it on Amazon for like another $30, $40, right? Because So check out both platforms. But nonetheless, Nick, $8 into $105, genius, right? And he, he said, I went later in the day and I didn't think I was going to find anything. Again, you just never know what people are passing up. So thank you so much. Nick also has a lot of great hustle of the week on his page, underscore Servantage on Instagram. Yeah. All right. What is your hustle of the week? So I was at a thrift store a while back and they had some golf balls and the golf balls were, you know how golf balls, when you buy them at the store, like you're buying a set of golf balls, they're usually like sold, I think on like 36, I think is the number. And it's a box and inside of each box are little boxes that have like three golf balls in them, right? Like it's typically how that works. And that way you can take like a box or two to the golfing range with you or to the to to the golf course with you and you're not taking like a whole bunch and they're neatly in a small little box. And for whatever reason, these golf balls were at the thrift store in their boxes new, but instead of like the 36 pack of, of golf balls together, they were broken up into sets of two. So it was like six golf balls, two boxes sealed, but like taped together. And they were selling them for, I think, $2.99. So $3 for six golf balls. And I realized that these sell better in a pack of 36. So I bought 36 of them. Hmm. And I took pictures of them all together. And I just sold them for, uh, I think it was a little bit over $75, something like that with, with, with shipping. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it'd be tough to do the math off the top of my head. But I think it's a total of six six things that I paid for because there's six in each six and six. Or six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I so, so, um, so I paid six times three. So, you know, it wasn't a huge thing, but it was one of those where if I would have just bought like, oh, I'm just going to buy one, one of these for, for three bucks, two ninety nine, mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and sell this one pack of two or separate them into threes. I wouldn't have made as much. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes you take a box of 36 golf balls. I'm just using that as an example. And you break it down, you sell the individual boxes inside and you make way more. So it really depends on the item and and it just goes to show you have to do the research. Sometimes it's better to break items up. Sometimes it's better to lot items together. And in this situation, it worked for me with this specific brand of golf ball to lot them together. Uh, But the thrift store didn't know that, right? Like they probably could have sold them. And I'm just glad nobody came in and bought. In fact, I think there was actually some other boxes left over and it wasn't enough to put a 36 box together. So I'm just glad that that people didn't buy more of them and leave it where I can only get like 24 Yeah, because then I wouldn't be able to lot them together. So I'm glad that, um, that there was enough of them for me to put together a full box of golf balls on that. Lotting is nice. Yeah. 
So, and sometimes it allows you to move inventory faster. Yeah. So my hustle of the week is kind of like a, a threefold hustle of the week. So I've, I've mentioned before bomber jackets and the fact that bomber jackets are a bolo. And I, I think they're a strong bolo right now, but, uh, I'm finding that anything that is, so there's, there's two kinds of materials for like collars on bomber jackets or on Carhartt jackets. So there's Sherpa and there's Shearling. So Sherpa is the really clean wool kind of, you know, sheep kind of look. Mm -hmm. And Shearling looks kind of dirty. It's not as like super nice pattern because it's real, right? Sherpa isn't real. And so what I've noticed lately is that people are wanting to buy these things. So I just wanted to throw two hustles a week because I waited a little bit for these items, but man, they are, they are selling well. So one is I sold an LL Bean. I shared this on Instagram uh, last week, a uh, bomber jacket. And I'm telling you, they are so undervalued. People are selling these things for 80 to hundred. You may be able to do some eBay arbitrage, but I paid 20 for one and I sold it for $234. And the guy was ecstatic about finding it because it was clean. It was exactly what they're looking for. Left a nice feedback. And again, it was an LL Bean. So that was nice because I knew that these were going to be worth money. And I bought a bunch of these a few months ago. And I think now as things are kind of getting back to normal, I think people are more willing to buy things like that. Now, here's my hustle of the week. So I'm a big fan of Carhartt. And I think Carhartt's another bowl that we shared. And Carhartt, whether it's clean or whether it's messed up, Carhartt will sell. Actually, I've just been selling uh, Carhartt items. And so... I had, you know, I had run across this vintage Carhartt jacket. Like it was from the 60s. You can tell by the way the logo is. In case you're wondering, there's this website called vintageguild.org. Uh, and let me make sure I give you the right. Uh, vint okay, it's Vintage Fashion Guild. And on there, there's a thing called Label Resource. So you can go to the Label Resource and you it's all by alphabetical order. And you can find different tags for different items, right? So on here, they don't have Carhartt, but I'm just throwing it out there because I thought this is where I looked it up. I think I looked it up somewhere else. But anyways, go to fashionguild.org. There's a lot of great resources for there, just not for Carhartt. Unless right now that in the middle of the podcast, I can't find what I'm looking for. But anyways, I knew it was an old tag. I knew it was worth money. I knew that no one had this jacket at all. Pay $20 and elicited for 300 bucks. It was on sale and I sold it for $212 plus shipping. Like no, no best offer, nothing. And again, when you know your stuff and the reason I'm sharing this is because over time you begin to learn things. And for me, like Carhartt is one of those things that really know well. I can tell which vintage is going to sell for more. I've even sold Carhartt jackets with broken zippers at over a hundred bucks and only paid $20. So my hustle of the week. I was happy that it sold. I had it sitting for a while, but I knew it was worth a lot. And this thing was stained. It wasn't clean either. And maybe somebody's going to put in the wash or take it to dry cleaner to get the stains out. But again, you know, learn those niches because that's going to definitely help you later on get more money on items. That's my hustle of the week. I like it. All right, let's get back to our topic. All right. So this one's going to, I like how he titled this part. If your store is dead, do what eBay says. Yeah. Follow, don't be a rebel. Don't don't be. But here's the thing. There's, there's two options when it comes to eBay. 
you can complain all day on forums and talk about how eBay's throttling your items, how you're not making money, how it's not like they used to be. Things have changed. Or you can go, you know what? This is the way eBay wants things now. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to make things happen. And I'm going to get those sales to happen, right? You have those options. And I see a lot of people. I mean, I, I see it all the time. I go to garage sales and I'll see somebody with nice inventory. I'm like, hey, you know, why are you selling all this? This is quality stuff. They're like, oh, I'm done with eBay. Feebay. Like they want me to do this. I, I was out. Once they wanted me to do this to be a top rated seller, I was gone. But here's the thing. eBay wants to continue making profit. Right, eBay. eBay's not going to do things that are gonna gonna hurt their business and hurt sellers in the overall. Now, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like I imagine somebody saying, "You know what? I don't understand why I should have to download this app called Venmo." I I remember the days when I used to be able to just write a check to somebody. I I'm, that's that's it. I'm not, I'm done with it all. If I can't just write checks to people, Venmo, right? Like sometimes you gotta move with the time and realize like mm -hmm. things change. Sometimes things get better, right? And maybe there's growing pains. And that part that part can be where it's rough, right? Where they're changing from one thing to another and they want a certain type of background or certain, like right now, the item specifics, that's brutal, right? But we might look back five years from now and say, thank goodness, right? Like if we didn't have these, we'd be... We'd be we're going to talk place. about these in a moment. Yeah. I think they were a game changer, but... Yeah. So, so yeah, you do, you do need to kind of go with the times. And there's certain things like, you know how your your titles look like. You can even see people who you could tell they've been on eBay for a long time because they still have like the flashy the things HTML. going. The HTML. Do you right? still see those? It's Occasionally. And, and Or like the listings. That it are, it's almost like a like a, a pre-made PDF giant JPEG with all these stuff. Yes. Sometimes it's beneficial. And not throwing shade at anybody that listens that still has those. No. In fact, I use those a lot when it's like I'm buying certain things that require that, right? Like I'm buying... Um, I don't know, like Magic the Gathering cards and it's like a lot thing and it's like they, they have a clear, you could tell this is a company that sells lots of them because they have policies and it's all set up in mm -hmm. there and it looks good. But if I'm just buying like a random pair of shoes or a random, I don't buy used shoes very often, but like if I'm buying like a random something, movies, I don't need all that stuff, right? Like just simple, it's probably easier. Yeah, and what, what, what I wanted to say about this is that eBay has been very big about no more HTML, no more long listings. It's keep it short. Right. So, you know, very, very basic. I mean, especially if it's new, right? They want everything in the item specifics. They don't want it in the description. So if it's a new item, it, the basics that it should be on there is new and sealed. That's it. Like it doesn't need to have any more because everything else, your shipping policy, your tax policy, your item specifics, that takes care of everything else. And what I see, what I'm seeing still is, and again, let me know if I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong is there are people that literally like had a lawyer draft up everything that, you know, what entails buying stuff from them. So it's like, we will only accept these kind of returns. We only ship here. You will be charged a restocking fee. This better be in this best condition. I've been on eBay for this long. I sell them all. And it's like, well, I don't care about any of that. I just want to buy what's in front of me. Just tell me the condition. And it's all I need to know. Right. And I understand we all want to protect ourselves. We all want to make sure that, you know, somebody isn't trying to scam us. But that's what the business policies are. That's why eBay created business policies so people can see those up front. So keep it short. We already talked about the white background and we already talked about offering best offer. But again, anytime eBay switches things up, anytime eBay says, hey, this is the way we want it, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to say 90% of the time. 
if if you want more sales, like managed payments, I do believe that managed payments made a difference in getting more sales. Some might disagree, but I I did see an uptick once I went from PayPal to managed payments. The weird thing is that not everybody's managed payments still. We've been talking about this for almost a year now, mm. and it was mandatory. So, all right, being a top rated seller, yeah, and honestly. Unless I'm way off, I feel like it was relatively easy to become a top-rated seller. Like I didn't really mm-hmm. try to do anything special. I just I sold things and I feel like I did a pretty decent job and I was a top-rated seller pretty quickly. So it's it is it's not that t- it does take a little bit of time, right? So here I'll read it real quick and I'll talk about why it's important. So an eBay account that's been active for at least 90 days, right? Okay. So you gotta so wait three month minimum. Three month, a hundred or more transactions and one thousand dollars in sales during the past twelve months with US buyers. Yeah. So if you're not doing a thousand dollars in sales in twelve months, probably you're not worried about being top rated seller anyways. Yeah. But if you want your eBay to be come back to life, you need to make it happen. That means it's still dead. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean thousand dollars in sales. In in twelve months. Yeah, should you yeah. A defect rate that's less than equal to 0.5%. Cases closed without seller resolution. I talked about that before, less than 0.3. Late shipment, less than 3%. Tracking uploaded within your state has stated handling time and carrier validation for 95% of transactions to US buyers. So, you know, you may hear influencers on YouTube all the time saying top rated seller isn't a big deal. You may hear somebody says, I don't care. I was below standard. I'm going to tell you, as, as somebody that has sold on eBay for now going 10 years, now full-time, five years, being a top-rated seller does push you up in the search. Whenever I'm trying to buy stuff, I go on there and sure enough, the badges, the badges, the badges. Now, I'm not saying the badges are the end-all, right? If if you don't have a badge, but you have an item somebody wants, they're going to buy it. But eBay has been very big about the fact that, you know, if you're a top-rated seller, that means you have a good track record. That means you're great about customer service. That means you ship things out on time. That means that you're willing to work, you know, and make sure that cases don't open. That means you're constantly selling stuff. So what does that mean? eBay is going to want to push the best, quote unquote, top rated sellers higher in the search. So I do believe this should be a priority if you want to have more sales, especially if your eBay store is dead. You know, if you want to get it cranking and running and make things happen, being a top rated seller is super important. And it's not too bad. I mean, 90, 90 days if you're just starting a store and uh, sell at least $1,000 worth of items and do a good job, right? Don't don't sell things that, that end up having issues. Make sure you resolve problems with customers and uh, get yourself sent out on time. Now, you can take it a step further and be a, have your item be a top rated seller plus. And so the way you do that is if you ship within the same day or one day handling and a 30 day or longer free return period with the money back option, right? So they say here, you can choose a top rated plus seal and, and you also get 10% value fees, but that, that's not as important, I think, as getting yourself higher in the search. So you can be a top rated seller and not offer free returns, or you could be a top rated seller plus and offer free returns. Well, but the thing is they only, that, that's per item. Right. Correct. Per yeah. item. Yeah. So it you can, so, so not everything needs to be top rated plus. If you're a top rated seller, you can kind of choose which items. Yeah. Like that heater that I had to lose a hundred dollars on shipping. I probably shouldn't have made that plus. I just never thought I'd have somebody asking for a return on it. So, all right. And then the last thing is I think right now, I think people are getting hit with the item specifics. Now there's two of them. Okay. So there's the required that are due by February 22nd. So those are non-negotiable. I mean, eBay has said if 
if you don't take care of these that they are going to, I think they said not allow you to have these items listed. So let me read what eBay said directly on this. Now, the other one is the recommended. The recommended is basically, hey, here's a good idea. Here's something you should take a look at uh, because, you know, this might help you sell because people are looking for certain items. So let me go. Uh, see, I should have just had this up before. But anyways, they have discussed the idea that if this is not done, it's it's not going to be a good thing. At first, they went from encourage and then they went to you should be doing this. And so I'm trying to find this. That's all right. Well, where are you at on doing this though? Are, yeah, are you? So yeah, we we finished the required a long time ago, uh, and we're we're at the place now where we recognize you know we probably should get on these recommended because I, our store is slow and there seems to be a lot of hype that it could be it could be this. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that eBay's like, ooh, you know, Mike and Heather. They've got some some items that they haven't put in uh, the recommended yet. We're going to punish them. But if there's our competitors have put the recommended in, then they might just be getting a little bit higher up in the search, and that might be helping them and hurting us. So in order to stay competitive, we're going to have to we're going to have to do it. So we're going to break it down into you know ten or so a day and just crank them out. Yeah, and so but make sure make sure it's done because the issue will be is if your items aren't done. They actually, especially for new items, they're not going to let you list them until you get it done anyways. All right. But here, here's my experience. So at first, at first I was kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I got my items out. But then what I noticed was things started slowing down. Right. And I think some of you can attest to this idea that once you put in all your required item specifics, you began to get more sales, not in a ton more, but you didn't see the slowdown like you did before. So some of you may may say, hey, no, Orlando, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be fine. But I, I truly believe it's if it's required and they I they said it, I just it's not on their page anymore. But they had a they had a thing here like if you don't take care of it, you will not be able to uh list more items until you resolve that issue. Okay, now let's talk about the recommended. So recommended is what they're telling you, hey, if you want to make sure that people are finding your items you know, faster, then it's important that you get these items, you know, with these recommended. And so some of them are kind of obnoxious. I talked about this in the last podcast. Like I had boots and it was like character. And I'm like, blues clues or like what 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 kind of character am I supposed to put on here? But the key thing is I have noticed. So I'll I'll talk about this for a moment here. So I talk about my sales being dead after eBay. And so what happened is that I had 1,800 and I believe like 50 items that did not have the recommended. They all had the required, but they did not have the recommended. Now, I can't say this is, you know, exactly what ended up happening, but I took the time and I used the spreadsheets in our YouTube video. And on the spreadsheet, I was able to change a lot of them. Now, I will tell you, I did put filler things. So on some of the silly ones, I just put C description <laughs> or I put C pictures, but I had a recommended item specific on there on, on other ones that didn't make sense. I just put unknown. Yeah, I don't know if I recommend that at all. I'm not saying do that's what I did because they're, what are you supposed to put? Right. I'm not, listen, this is, I'm telling you, this isn't, I'm not saying this is the end all. I'm just saying, this is what I did. 
Okay. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I will tell you this. When I got down those 1800 and whatever, down to, I'm down to like 137 now, huge uptick in sales. I mean, it was, it was back to like Q4 numbers for a week. And I don't know if what that did, if it pushed all my items up in the search. I don't know if maybe it's because, you know, you know, the talk is a stimulus check people were buying. I, I can't tell you for sure what it was, but I will tell you when you do those things that eBay recommends you do, they will help you out in sales. So I know we don't, we don't have to, there's a disclaimer. We do not recommend this. Orlando's just documenting what he did. Let's, let's play it safe. But I'm telling you, I did that and I do believe it played a part in me being able to get more sales and revive my dead store. And now I'm back to normal. I'm probably back to about almost Q4 numbers on a daily basis. And so things have been good. Uh, and again, I didn't apply everything on here because some of the things I was already doing, but I will say fixing not the items required, but the items recommended definitely, I believe, help my store get more sales. I like it. So anything you want to add here? Anything you want to close on here? No. Do do what we said and you will <laughs> breathe life into your store. Po you will possibly, based on what we just said. We don't recommend all of it. Or, or... You'll do all this and uh, it may not work and you just have to adapt and figure out what it is. But uh, I think this this will get you probably 85% of the way there. And that's pretty good odds if you ask me. Well, there you go. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.